step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm gonna make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you wanna get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus. Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to Ambet's Radio. At Ambet's Radio, we're dedicated to providing the who, what, where, when, and why of everything Ambet's nationwide. For over 50 shows now, Ambet's Radio not only educates, but tries to inspire all veterans serving veterans with interviews that are not only thought-provoking, but through humor, decades of wisdom, lots of great stories, and of course, information about Ambet's. It's our goal at Ambet's Radio that after hearing this show, you'll walk away different than you arrived. We thank you for taking the time to listen to Ambet's Radio. And for more information, including upcoming shows or previous ones, visit ambetsradio.com. Now sit back and relax, buckle up and get ready, because the Ambet's Radio train is about to leave the station.
million too much from you and me to show our appreciation for keeping this land free. So the next time you hear our anthem and see your glory flying in the air, can we please all stand together in the one thing we all share? We're Americans, Americans, we're Americans, we're Americans, Americans, we're Americans, God bless the USA. Welcome to AMBETS Radio Show 75. Today is August 21st, 2018. And AMBETS Radio, for 75 shows, has been dedicated to bringing you the most up-to-date information about AMBETS, including the who, what, where, when, and why. You know, without the AMBETS members, this show wouldn't exist. Without the state of Arkansas... And AMBETS Arkansas, this show wouldn't exist. Without AMBETS Department of Tennessee, AMBETS Post 45 in Tennessee, Paris, the Jerry Reed Music City AMBETS Post 1776 in Nashville, for the Elks Lodge in 19, number 1944, for the Tri-Cities Military Affairs Council, for Veterans Web Design, and of course, for Painter's Dream Productions. Folks, this show has been self-supported since day one, and those that have given to this show, we want to thank you. And we want to dedicate our Platinum Jubilee show, which is our 75th show, to you. There are people right now fighting to keep this show alive, and it is by God's grace that we are here tonight. And I am so proud that we have the opportunity to have our new National Commander for the AMVETS on. Before I bring him on, I'd like to start this show off with the National Anthem. And as soon as we're finished with that, we will bring him on, as well as our co-host, and as well as, as, well as our correspondent out of Indiana. So please, if you don't mind, please stand.
Alex, how you doing tonight, brother? Doing good. How you doing tonight? It's our Platinum Jubilee show. <laughs> Woohoo! I mean, I- I've had Jubilee pie, and that was pretty delicious. <laughs> so if the show's anything like that, I'm sure I'm going to have fun with it. Well, first of all, because we have the new national commander, of course, as of September 1st, but we're close enough, he's going to be on tonight. We're going to bring him on in a few seconds, but I just wanted to first and foremost, sir, thank you for your dedication to this show. Thank you for your passion for this show and everything that you do to help make this show what it is. I hope I didn't lose you. Are you still there? That would not be a good way to start the show off is by losing you, Alex. Oh, I'm here. Okay. I didn't hear you. You're I'm so sorry, brother. <laughs> it's all right. I was pulling a parry. Why don't <laughs> oh, yeah, well, listen, I, man, it's not like last week where my cheek kept hitting the buttons and then, and I couldn't believe it because someone, I got a message and they said, oh, the, 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 you, while you're talking, it's, it's making noise and stuff. I said, making noise. And I went back and listened to the show and I was so passionate about all that I was saying that I wasn't realizing my cheek was hitting the buttons. And I was like, oh, okay, well. Well, I mean, Perry, when you get into talk radio, most of our job, I mean, when you talk about talk radio, most of our job is making noise, some of it productive, some not so productive, some of it unintended, but, you know. That's it. We have a very, very interesting topic tonight, and before a lot we of get interesting into guests. our topic, we do. It, it's going to be a very interesting show, to say the least, but before we get into our topic... Uh, I would like to now take this time to introduce the uh, new national commander for uh, AMBETS, uh, Mr. Reed Riley. Reed, how you how doing, you? sir? Welcome back to AMBETS Radio. I'm doing fine, gentlemen. How are you? Wonderful, sir. Congratulations. Well, thank you very much. I, first of all, I want to thank uh, the entire AMBETS uh, family for uh, – Given me their support and uh, uh, wishing uh, me the, the the best year that we can have possibly in Amets to uh, continue to move forward and um, and do and do well. Uh, I, I appreciate it very much, and it's always a pleasure to be back on Amets Radio. So you have a full year in front of you, and. When last year, when we had Commander Polk on, I asked him the same question, and I'm going to ask you the same question because we know it's the job is not going to be easy. Otherwise, everybody would do it. But we know that part of the challenge in 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 what is in front of you is trying to accomplish all that you have planned. So, what what is what is your what is your top three goals for this coming year? Well, first of all, uh, my number one priority is is to um, increase our membership uh, to to keep us growing forward and um, and, and 
making us uh, not not just an elite organization where we represent and, and ask all and accept all veterans to our organization, but to to, to just grow and be a leader in, in the fields that we need to do to take care of our veterans. A second thing is uh, to communicate uh, better than we've had in, in the past. Uh, and I'm not just talking last year, year before. I'm talking about 10, 15 years ago, we need we need to close the communication. We uh, we have we have to be responsive to our membership's needs uh, when when they call and ask for information. Uh, they don't have to wait on the hold. Uh, they, someone will be able to, to answer their questions and, and 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 fulfill their needs that they have to do on not just the state level but uh, region or district levels but at the post level also. And and the, and the third one, I uh, I would just like to see um, uh, more uh, female veterans uh, become part of this organization. Um, it's it's the best kept secret for all the VSOs, but uh, the AMBETs in the last couple of years have stepped up and, and acknowledged that uh, our women uh, veterans need to be part of our organization. And over the past couple of years, we have increased our membership in that area uh, on, a, on a, I think, a, a good scale. Uh, we, we've, uh, you know, we're up to five percent now. Uh, hopefully, with our new first vice commander, uh, Jan Brown, she'll, she'll uh, herself being a, a woman veteran, will, will step up and, uh, and bring in more uh, female veterans. Uh, she's a very Articulate lady, she uh, uh, she she knows what you know her plans are to make the organization go forward. Matter of fact, we also have entire posts that are not only led by women but are majority of women. Correct? That is correct, uh, especially out in California. Uh, post forty four, they're all. Um, Female veterans. Uh, they're all younger. Female, but not not all of them. But the majority of them are uh, Desert Storm, Iraqi, Afghanistan veterans. Uh, they have a few older. Uh, no women wants to be called old, but uh, we have a few. Uh, they have a few uh, 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 ladies who are from different eras of, of uh, our um, combat situations, as far as like Vietnam. Uh, in fact, uh, the one post even has uh, uh, two World War II nurses from uh, uh, that conflict, and um, there's another post out there, 77. They they have a majority of. Uh, I, I think I think they said that they were going to allow to have two guys join this year. <laughs> so, but uh, they're they're doing well, and and they are really in the forefront. Uh, uh, going out and getting female veterans to, to join our organization. At the national convention on the second to last night I was there, I sat down and had a conversation with Laura McFarlane, who I never met before. She was supposed her and her husband, Kelly, they were supposed to be on Ambet's radio. I didn't even know who she was. And we were over at, uh, I believe we were at Louisiana's hospitality suite. And, I, I asked if she was a veteran. She said she was because, again, I didn't know who she was. And she served 18 years. I said, 18 years? 
You must have started when she was young and she went into her story and all the battle and all the things she's been through and then how Commander <clears throat> Polk, um, by offering her a job, pretty much saved her life. And then because of the Freedom Foundation, uh, practically saved her daughter's life. And these are the heart of the issues of the AMBETS that not a lot of people know about. And I wanted to bring her up because I'm hoping in the future we can get her on the air to tell her story. But I know that her story represents a lot of one of the things you're trying to do. And I also know you have an upcoming project, correct? Yes, I do. It's, it's the um, – to rebuild the walkway – uh, to the uh, USS Arizona Memorial. Um, as a lot of people know who listen to this program, the Ambits has been in the forefront uh, taking care of that monument uh, down there in Hawaii at Pearl Harbor. Um, we we uh, have, the Ambits throughout the years have, have put a lot of money into that uh, monument and Anybody who has gone there and seen that, uh, they could see that the the white—I don't know what you want to call that—but but the white enclosure, which is over top of the the ship itself, was was built by Ambets and 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 their membership and through their donations and what have you. But um, the walkway that goes to that memorial, as naturally as everyone can imagine, over the years with the water being right there, it is eroded. And uh, we would like to um, uh, get that back up and running, and, and uh, uh, hopefully that we can raise enough money in this coming year to um, enable uh, our American citizens and uh, be able to come in and, and see part of our history, which um, a lot of people say that was our greatest generation, and we want to keep them in in, in our minds and our hearts and our thoughts that um, – uh, not, not, not to um, take away from our, our men and women who are in combat now, and and Vietnam, and and Korea, and um, all all the different battles. Uh, but um, uh, my project was to uh, and is to um, reinforce that uh, walkway and uh, get it to uh, get it to uh, the point where um, uh, the thousands upon thousands of uh, Visitors come to Pearl Harbor, especially to see that monument, and uh, it's it's a it's a great. Um, I, I was approached to, to not not to ask that to be my project, but the more I thought about it, I says, well, you know, uh, when I first got into Anvets, um there was a lot a lot of World War II veterans around, and and I ran into as everybody does all branches of the services, and they all have their stories to tell. But um, uh, I've been to I've been there, and uh, I, I've seen what it's like, and and how many people are just in total awe of that monument in in, in itself. And I would just uh, like to keep the, the thousands of people to go there, millions of people throughout the whole year, to go there to see that, and uh, and that when they walk across that walkway, they come into the monument there and, and they see that it is supported by AMBETS and I just want to keep keep the AMBET name there and, and, and keep our AMBET people supporting that and, and I 
I hope they do. Alex, did you have any questions for the national commander? I'm not talking. Well, first of all, (laughs) well, I'm I'm only kidding, Alex. I had a good time with you the other. (laughs) First of all, I want to say there are are very few mustaches I've ever seen in my life that that put me in awe and and speechless. But, Reed, I mean, this is a satire question, but how much time do you devote just to making sure that mustache stays as glorious as it is? Uh, Well, believe it or not, I I had it trimmed up to to come to the National Convention. It was a little while. Really? Yes. Oh. at one time it was, well, my mom used to say, how do you eat with that thing? <laughs> <laughs> because you can, you, 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 you eat with that thing because there's got to be stuff left over. You could eat for days with just the stuff that gets left over in that. I mean, it's amazing. I have a little comb that when it comes to time to eat, I, I comb it aside and I'm, I'm able to get, get through that. But uh, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, it's, um, I mean, it's pretty and, and I spend about, about two, two hours a week keeping it trimmed up in that. Wow. I, I want to say, I mean, getting back to the real, the, the the substance of this, I mean, we had some amazing conversation even before you were elected out at the Pennsylvania Hospitality Suite, which was an amazing suite to go to if you were at National Convention. Thank but you. We, we had a lot of great conversation about not only your project at the Pearl Harbor walkway to the USS Arizona Memorial, which I talked with the ladies from there, and they were absolutely amazing. And it, I, I want to commend you. That is one of the most important things that we can preserve because as we get a new generation every so often, I mean, there are a lot less surviving World War II vets, and there are a lot less people who have relatives that, are, that they have ever encountered that were World War II vets. So by keeping that history preserved and allowing – the newer generations to come and see it and learn. I mean, I, I can't think of a better project. Now, when we, were, when we were talking at convention, one of the things that you talked with me about was that communication and to improve it. And I, 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 I want to thank you so many times that you come on to AMVETS Radio, which is a great source of communication for all things AMVETS. And I want to thank you for your support of that. Now, what other avenues, I mean, I'm sure we want to keep AMVETS Radio going, but what other avenues are you hoping to improve when it comes to communication? I know you talked about when members call and access of that information. What other ways can we continue to improve the availability of the information that we are putting out to our veterans, not just in AMVETS, but also veterans who may not know about AMVETS? Well, when I was uh, national first vice, uh, my, my uh, uh, definitely uh, the um, position is to recruit member and your charge of membership. And um, with the common uh, veteran, uh, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm talking one who uh, just you know I did my time, I you know did my service, you know I want to go home, I you know want to be with my family and all that. Uh, that is good. But the more important thing is to get that person who wants to sit back and relax and enjoy life. I know that still in the back of their mind, you know, I'm I'm still a veteran, and they see the things that are going on through the TV and everything, and eventually one or two of them will get up and say, hey, i got to do something. So um, when you see someone walking down the street that has a, a Iraqi war veteran hat on or a Korean war vet uh 
World War II guy who's in a in a, a walker or a wheelchair, and or uh, we have a, a in my post we have a World War II Korea and Vietnam veteran. Uh, he's 94 years old. He does uh-huh. uh, line dancing every Friday night with his girlfriend, uh, awesome. who is who is 86 years old, and. When he goes out to these different places and he wears his hat that says, I am a World War II Korea and Vietnam veteran, he keeps an AMBET membership in his wallet, and he signs people up for us when, when he's out there. And maybe he may bring somebody over there who's uh, 80 years old, but he brings them in and he signs them up as AMBETs. And uh, and as long as they're still with us, they pay their dues and and uh, everything, and, that, and that's that, that that's the, the the thing that it, it's really easy and simple to do is carry that membership in your pocket, that application in your pocket, and when you see somebody who who is wearing them hats, stop by and just stop and talk a little bit about you know hey how how are you doing was your branch and all that and. Hey, did you ever hear about AMBETS? And um, the most important thing is uh, is, is just to ask. And, and uh, you know, we you know that was my project as, as first vice, but more importantly was to go out and reach them female veterans. And they're everywhere. They're everywhere. And sometimes, you know, if you wear a shirt that says AMBETS on it, that that female veteran will look at you. And if, if, and if, and if she looks at you twice, and she's not looking at you. Personally, she's looking at that shirt that says AMBETS, and, uh, you know, they may stop and say, hey, you know, what's AMBETS about, you know. So it kind of works both ways. And, and Definitely. That's the way and I that was one of the that was one of the things that actually happened to me while I was coming back from Florida. And when I was traveling, I wore my AMBETS Post 45 shirt down on the way to Florida. I had a lot of people approach me. I wore my hat. And a lot of people, you know, and on my way back, uh, shout out to – Kelly McFarlane and Laura McFarlane. I mean, I had my Louisiana Department of Louisiana AMVET shirt on coming back, but you know that's a great advertising tool. I can't tell you how many people actually approached me and mentioned what is AMVETS or what do you guys represent, and exactly. it was a great tool. And then another thing I wanted to ask you about is something that's going to tie into later in our show is you mentioned the divisiveness of what's going on in the media and in our nation. How can we, as AMVETs, help bridge that gap with some of the division within our veteran and civilian communities? Well, a lot of people, and, and not, not just veterans. I've, I've talked to, I've talked to uh, uh, young men and young women, and uh, I'm going to say people my age uh, who weren't in the military. Uh, they say, hey, uh, you know, uh, we can't understand why the NFL or ESPN, um, NBC Sports, how come they're not respecting us or respecting you people who, who served our country and gave them the right to do whatever they wanted to do? Uh, how come they're, they're treating us this way? And uh, I just tell them, you know, they, they have the right to say what they want to do. But um, uh, like a, a World War II veteran said oh, about three months ago, he says, um, what would happen if, we were attacked, this country was attacked, and um, uh, those people who put those uniforms on on any given day in baseball, uh, football, uh, it, it's a uniform. It, it, you know, it, it, it it's, um, 
considered to be a, a costume as far as the veterans look at it. The uniform is what our military wear, and uh, that distinguishes uh, the, the the people who are concerned about our country. And not to say that everybody in, in, in pro sports are against the United States, but I think it, we're in a time where everybody just wants to make a comment uh I think just to keep their face in the media, and uh, I, I really think that some of these people, if we ever should get attacked, hopefully not, but uh, I'm, I'm sure these, these professional athletes will step up in that. But you got one or two, and just like everywhere, you know, uh, nobody's going to agree all the time. You agree to disagree, and that everybody has that right. That's that's what that's what this country was founded on to have a right for freedom of speech. And um, I think some of the ones who, especially the early ones, I'm not going to mention any names, but who brought this all to the forefront, um, they're sitting on a bench somewhere in a park uh, out of professional sports uh, and uh, how they're making their money or their livelihood. You know. A lot of people don't really care because you don't even hear from them anymore. But those are the people that had the right to kneel or sit out or not come out onto the field to uh, to to uh, respect our, our our flag and our our, our anthem. And um, uh, some of them are paying the prices now, and uh, some of them are realizing that uh, the best thing to do is is do what you feel is right and and. Uh, I think in the next year or two, you're, you're going to see it all come to, to the forward, to the forefront, and, and um, yeah, we're going to we're, we're going to get back on the same track. Uh, you know, uh, uh, the the athletes and, and, the, and the musicians and all them who said, "Well, if President uh, Trump gets elected, if Donald Trump gets elected, I'm leaving the country," but they're still here, so they're just. They're just attention grabbers, and that's the way I look at it. Not not so much that they're disrespecting the country, but you know, a lot of them are you know over the hill actors and comedians and everything, and they're just looking to get back into the limelight. And um, I, you know, like I said, they're they're expressing themselves, which they have the right to do. But uh, a veteran will always be a veteran, and it will always stick up for uh, and and stick up for themselves and uh, and say what they have to say. I, I couldn't put it better anyway myself, Reg, and I really appreciate you taking the time to answer my questions. I mean, every time I talk to you, it's always a great conversation, both personally and through Anvets Radio. But I, I definitely want to give it back to Perry. Perry, um, if you have anything else. Well, I just, again, right now, and and when this topic first popped into my head early this week. Uh, I, I had region mine only because of the fact that as getting into a, a new position with AMBETS, you always have those who are for and against you. And I think that not just division within itself, uh, especially not in regards to race or color or creed or male or female, but there's so many topics right now that we're dealing with as an organization, not only just by divisions within location, divisions in what we stand for, divisions in what we're trying to fund, and divisions in 
who we're trying to represent and which war, you know, should get more emphasis than the next. Um, so I just knew for sure that, that in, in having this show that one, I was hoping his schedule would be available and I'm, and I'm glad it was. Was there any other topics, Reed, which, which you wanted to, to cover before we go to our next guest and then on to our topic for tonight? Uh, no, I, I just want to say uh, uh, thank you for giving me the time to to, to uh, uh, be on the air tonight, and um, we are uh, going to push uh, to the all the departments. Uh, when I uh, sit in the chair for the first time, uh, we are going to uh, send out letters to uh, all the departments, uh, all the district uh, commanders, and um, and uh, hopefully they'll pass it on down to their posts. To um, uh, let's let's try and uh, as a second project for for me uh, to uh, let's keep Ambet Radio on the air and uh, if they can send a five dollar bill or ten dollar bill or whatever they can to uh, keep Ambet Radio uh, up and going. Well, we very much appreciate that. Thank you, Reg, and uh, always look forward to always having you on. And uh, thank you for taking the time. Now, let me ask you a question: Is your grandchild going to come and sing for us tonight? No, he's not. He's not here. He's with he's with his cousins up in uh, up up in uh, what do we call North Huntington? It's just uh, east of uh, Pittsburgh where I live, and uh, he he's up there. Uh, they're they're getting ready to do a. Um, uh, show at the um their their uh, kindergarten class uh on uh america for uh, uh veterans day in uh november so he's uh well, we, he's getting ready well hopefully whenever he's back with you hopefully uh he'll do god bless america for us because when you were on the phone he was singing away he was <laughs> he was excited yes he was <laughs> Uh, Commander Polk gave him a, uh, the microphone at, at the convention and said, "Come on, Corey, if you want to sing God, God Bless America, here's, here's the time." He ran up, took the microphone, and he looked down and see 560 veterans in the audience. And he says, "No, thank you, Commander." And he gave the microphone back to Commander Polk, and uh, he and we took them down after the convention was over. D and I and my wife and uh, and, and him, uh, we stayed a couple of days down in Florida. And we went to eat lunch at the, um, uh, the I, don't know, I guess you call it right out there by the pool there. They had the restaurant, and the guy was playing a guitar. And he walked up to him, and he says, I'm going to sing God Bless America. So the, the guy says, okay, playing the guitar. He gave him a guitar pick, played this and that. And he says, you ready to go? He gave him the microphone. He seen four people standing there, and he goes, no, not today. <laughs> so he's he's kind of shy, but uh, you've heard him, Perry. He, He's pretty good, and uh, he, he loves this. He's only five years old, and he loves, he loves this country. He's been in 25 states already, and uh, he, he he's um, I, I'm very proud. And and I'll be honest, I I, I didn't teach him uh, some of the things I did, but I mean like uh, to sing "God Bless America," and now he's singing a national anthem. Uh, he salutes the flag uh, when he goes into his preschool. Uh, he walks into the front doorway. And he salutes the flag, and he's got all the other kids doing it too. But um, <laughs> he's, he's a blessing, and hopefully, he grow up to be a leader in our organization um, one time or another. 
Well, thank you, Reed. We appreciate you taking the time, and uh, don't hang up. Enjoy the rest of our show. We're going to go ahead and take a, uh, a, a break to go ahead and, and pay our bills, and we will come back to AMVETS radio show number 75 with our correspondents in Indiana, who has a wonderful guest for us tonight, uh, Ms. Lauren Price, who's going to uh, share with us some very important information. So don't go anywhere, folks. We'll be right back with AMVETS radio show 75. We'll be right back. If you're listening to AMBETS Radio, you're already interested in building the organization. And we all know that the key to our continued growth is getting the Gulf War and later veterans involved. So I want to suggest that you go to communicate with them where they already are. That's right, online. Your post needs a fresh, current web page and a Facebook page to bring them there. Veterans Web Design is just who you need to help get the job done. At Veterans Web Design, their mission is to help veteran service organizations grow and prosper through the use of the Internet. To find out more, visit www.veteranswebdesign.com. If you're looking for a way to show your support to our military men and women serving in harm's way, then donate new or used DVDs to AMVETS Task Force DVD today. Since 2006, Task Force DVD has provided millions of hours of entertainment to troops serving on the front lines free of charge. Through your cash or DVD contributions, you can share a little piece of home with our heroes serving around the world. To learn more about Task Force DVD and to become involved, visit AMVETS.org. All right, folks, welcome back to AMVETS Radio Show number 75, and I would like to now bring on the AMVETS correspondent for the state of Indiana, Miss Vanessa Dillian. Vanessa, how are you tonight? I'm excellent. Perry, how are you? I am vertical. <laughs> Amen to that. It's a good day to so be you alive. Have, uh, listen, it has been a very crazy week, and you have been, and ever since we've made you correspondents for AMVETS Indiana, uh, you have uh, brought to the table some wonderful things. You have two guests for us tonight, uh, and I would like you to, to now take as much time as necessary to introduce uh, Lauren uh, to the AMVETS radio audience, talk a little bit about her, and then we will hand the interview over to you, and you can ask her some questions. We'll bring Alex back on, and all will be well, and then we will go into our second interview uh, which is about the uh, 22, and then we will go into our topic of the divided states of America, which I cannot wait to get into that topic with you. So the mic is yours, dear. Awesome, Perry. Thank you. Well, our next guest is retired Navy Lauren Price. She and her husband are co-founders of Veteran Warriors. For years now, they have been helping veterans not only through their organization, but also in collaboration with AMBETS. Lauren is an amazing advocate for our nation's veterans, and we are pleased to have her on tonight's show. Lauren, are you there? Yes, I am. Hello. Thank you for having me. Oh, thank you for being on the show. Um, tell us a little bit more about Veteran Warriors. I know you and I have spoke in, in, in depth about that and about other things that's going on, but uh, for our audience, please let us know a little bit more about Veteran Warriors. Well, it, the board of directors consists of five veterans, 
myself, my husband, and three of our five sons. And two of those three are combat vets like my husband and myself. And we formed the organization in 2009 when we realized that there was nobody out there that actually cradled a grave. And I don't mean handle claims or, you know, advocate on the hill or go visit in the hospital. I mean, everything from we removed squatters from an active duty soldier's house to getting a Vietnam veteran uh, power chair that the VA had denied him for four years to advocating on the Hill and getting legislation that is actually it's landmark legislation for presumptives for burn pit exposed victims. That's, we do it all. Uh, we've been doing this now for nine years. Uh, we have a really solid core team now of people that bring just an amazing bucket of talents to the table. Uh, we have medical personnel. We have psychiatric personnel. Uh, we have uh, legal advisors, people that are practicing attorneys, people that are have worked in Congress, that are providing mentorship and guidance for us for things that we're doing uh, as far as national legislation. And everyday people, just the average citizen, believe it or not, they actually do care and they really want to help. They will always step up. I have yet to see them ever turn us away when we needed something or we needed some boots on ground help up, you know, with a veteran's issue. Awesome. Awesome. So, um, Lauren, what are some of the biggest challenges that uh, you face in advocating for veterans? That we're, that we're not a veteran service organization. We're not a nonprofit. We don't take money from anyone. We don't do fundraising. We don't sell anything. Uh, all of our travel, all of our everything, everything we have to do is internally funded by my family. And we've been doing that for nine years so that there's no one can say, well, you took money from this organization or you take money from them. We don't take money from anybody. Um, the downside of that is having members of Congress and even other veteran service organizations take you seriously and understand that we're in this for the long haul and we're in the fight for real, that's the hardest thing we face. So you being here tonight, getting the, the word out that you even exist is, is critical for your organization, right? Absolutely. We, uh, we, we've been around, like I said, for nine years. Um, right. We do an enormous amount of big things, big work. Uh, we actually were at your convention over in Orlando. Um, we, ha we have good relationships, very great collaborative relationships with uh, leadership from AMVET, leadership from PVA, leadership from American Legion, uh, and several of the other big veteran service organizations, as well as private entities that help support the veteran community and pick up the slack where 
the Department of Veterans Affairs fell short. Um, it's just for us, the biggest thing is because we don't do claims work. We tell them. We tell a veteran or their caregiver or their family member. We tell them, reach out to a qualified veteran service officer. Reach out to, if you're on an appeal, reach out to a qualified VA-sanctioned attorney. We don't want that work because we're not qualified for it. What we're doing is we're, we're trying to help reform the big broken parts of the VA that, that aren't working any longer. They may have worked 50 years ago, but they're not working now. We have right. a, whole different, a whole different scenario and a whole different horizon ahead of us in the way we treat our service members when they come out of combat in the way that we handle their health care, and they have a different perspective of what they're entitled to and what they owe back to the country. So the VA's got to come into that same scenario, into that same horizon with them, and we're trying to help that happen. Awesome, awesome. And I've had that opportunity to work with you, what, this past two weeks on on an issue, and I've just been amazed by... um, what it is that that you've been able to do, um, and I, I don't know if we want to go into um, that. I mean, if you want to speak a little bit on on that, um, how that we were able to reach out, you were able to reach out and work together, and and it's what on a national level from different states, right? Well, I'd like to touch on that a little bit because, as your national commander mentioned, that the one of the most underrepresented groups of veterans are female veterans. And I'm a female veteran. I'm a combat veteran. And I know the things, the challenges that I've faced. And I've been fortunate that for the most part, uh, it's my personality. It doesn't bother me to be treated like a guy when it go to the VA and they ask for the mister. It, that doesn't chop me as much. But a lot of people, it does. And we have to recognize right. that. This week, or last week, feels like a month ago, uh, we, quite by accident, which is how a lot of our casework comes in, is a, a female veteran was brought to our attention that was homeless with two very small children. And she is suffering from PTSD and some other issues. But she's not in treatment, and she's been homeless for quite a while. And now when she's gone through all of the different wickets and utilized the resources resources that the VA has and some of their partners, we call it a one and done. With the VA and their, I'm using air quotes here, their partners, it's a one and done. They will help you once. And you're not allowed to get help again for two years. And I had a very eye-opening and very discouraging conversation with a social worker at the VA in Atlanta who I was trying to practice begging for assistance for this girl and trying to get my head around what she was entitled to, what they'd done. And, yeah, we have releases that are passed forth. But this woman was hostile. 
she has a huge disdain for homeless veterans. She's uh, offended by the fact that they would come in more than once. And flat out said, it's just, well, if we help all of them, you know, we're going to run out of money. And I, 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 my jaw hit the desk. I said, it's not your money, number one. And number two, that is your very purpose for existing. Your purpose right. there is to help get them off the street. And she went on endlessly about how how they they shouldn't be doing this and that they're taking advantage of the system. And this young girl is, she's not taking advantage of the system. She's in the system and stuck. And so are so many other homeless veterans, especially females. And this girl has children. I literally had no one. I had, and you saw the list I signed it. I mm-hmm. contacted every shelter. No one would take her. I contacted dozens of agencies. If she had used them ever for a resource, sorry, not going to help you. I, I could not comprehend that, that that's it, that that's all that's available. And that's how you and I got into this discussion was, you know, there's something vastly broken. If, if a VA employee, a social worker, is going to sit there and be very snarky with me and say, well, you know, we, we don't have to help them all. They shouldn't be all coming here all the time. Well, then you're not, you're failing. You are absolutely failing at your job if they are coming back. You have to make this work. So that, that is truly this, this female veteran thing, and I've never been one to beat the gender drum, never. We, our organization is very much like AMVETS. We don't ask what era you came from, what war you served in, whether or not you went to war. We don't care. If you're a veteran, that's it. That's all we need to know. But this was eye-opening for me because there's so much money being dumped into uh, homeless veterans and trying to eradicate that. And I recall uh, former former Secretary Shinseki saying this, that he promised and he assured everybody that he was going to eradicate veterans' homelessness. And I have a newsflash for them. They failed epically. Well, I have a question if I may jump into this conversation. All means, Alex. Well, I mean, first, I would have to say that I, I, I would have to disagree with you just as a devil's advocate because through my experience when it comes to veter- homeless veterans, there's, there's some things w- that are intangibles that are variables that come into play when you're helping a homeless veteran that you can't always foresee that there are m- sometimes out of your control that lead to the relapse in homelessness with some of our veterans. So for them to come back, I, I've had several who – have gone out, we've gotten them jobs, we've gotten them, you know, housing, but you'll have them come back and say, you know, my landlord kicked me out on the street because I got a service dog. Now, I would absolutely agree that we failed them if we didn't go and confront that landlord and make sure that landlord could never do that to another veteran again. But, you know, there are intangibles that are outside of your control that sometimes you cannot foresee happening. 
So oh, I, 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 have I completely have... agree with you. Absolutely. Uh, but in um, the case you're referring to, she has things that have now developed that they've come to light that they explain her chronic homelessness. Right. My, my contention is though that when the the pieces that are in place and the services that are in place, like the VA. And yes, the, and I would have to absolutely agree because you have a lot yeah. of people at the VA with a complete disconnect, disconnection from the population that they're serving. Not just a complete disconnection, like you said, a disdain at at, at a core level for these people. Like, why why would somebody be in that position anyway? Um, exactly. You know, if, if you don't like. I, I've never understood that. Like, you know, we have a perfect example. We had a homeless veteran, his name, well, I'm going to leave him nameless because I, I haven't talked with him about re- referencing him, but I worked with him several years ago. He was one of the first homeless veterans AMVETS Post 45 had ever helped and I had ever helped. Well, we got him into housing. He got a career, everything back on his feet, and he actually volunteered with us helping other homeless veterans get off the street as a homeless veteran outreach specialist. Well, two years go by. Now he's actually working at a VA in Florida as a homeless veteran outreach specialist. And he has a passion for it because he understands, one, he was a homeless veteran. And two, you know, he has a passion for it because he doesn't want anybody to see that, ha- see that happen to somebody else. You know, and he wants to be able to help them the way EMVETS and, and the people at Post 45 helped him. And I don't understand, you know why it's so hard to get, you know, I, I mean, there's, there's solutions. We, we, you know, how hard is it to well, get a solution across the table? Well, and, that's the thing you know, that bothers me when I look at things, that I, and because we deal with about 95% of our work is at the 100,000-foot level, at the legislative <laughs> level, and looking at policy. And when I look at how much money is put into these programs, and specifically the VA in general, but, I mean, the second largest budget in the federal government, but when we look at how much money is being put into that specific program for homelessness or for any specific program, I literally can just about show you the dollars for all of them. And then you, you see OIG investigations and you see whistleblowers come forward and you see, you know, news stories and undercover tapes that are done. And you're like, why are these people still working there? And I'm going to share a quick story with you about how I know for a fact that the deck is deliberately stacked against us when it comes to this. I have a whistleblower that came forward to us. This is going back about three years ago now. And he uh, had a middle management job at the VA. He was a veteran. And Mm -hmm. he wanted to cross over and start working as a rating examiner in the VBA and he was overqualified for the job and he applied for the job. You love that, right? You, you, you spend thousands and thousands and hundreds of thousands of dollars on education and you become overqualified for a position. <laughs> oh, it gets better. It gets so much better. Uh, the union rep brought him into the, and he recorded this and I handed this off to, at that time, the director, the staff director at the house O and I, um, Eric, he's now Dr. Eric Hannell, and he almost died when he heard it. It was them sitting there, the, the department head and the union, the shop steward or whatever their titles are, you know, king for the day, um, 
and I apologize. I tend to get very flippant about some of these people and their attitudes. No, these please, two people get, sat get. there and t- they told this guy that while he was extra, exceptionally well qualified for the job, he actually could do it, and that his pay grade and according to all the union contracts and everything, he absolutely should get that job. But the and point system because well, and he was know, not going to get that jobs. job. They said he was not going to get that job. And when he asked them why, he said, they said, because you're a veteran. We cannot put you into that position because veterans will be too favorable towards other veterans. Wow. My head almost exploded. <laughs> it, it really did. I was like, well, um, that screamed volumes to me about how well, that comes down is. to that comes down to the topic of the night. I mean, it comes down to division. I mean, you have di- the divisiveness when it comes to going to the VA and them asking for the mister. You have divisiveness when it comes for employment opportunities. And this is just touching the scope at veterans issues. I mean, divisiveness, I mean, this, this excels way further into the civilian culture as well. I mean, you have non-veterans well, when experiencing have- this divisiveness. When we have uh, – here, here's my pet peeve of divisiveness. When, when Vanessa asked me to be on the show, I was like, divisiveness. And it's not just about in our nation because we could all go on literally all night till all of our batteries are dead. <laughs> so we could talk about that. Um, yeah, exactly. Incredibly Sorry, I had to chime so in. So we'll go hide in the corner. <laughs> um, but here's the thing that has caught my eye over the last nine years, and I never noticed it while I served. I really didn't, but I also grew up around men and working on cars, and um, I'm a happily married female, and I'm happily married to a male, but I've always been more comfortable around men. So, And I grew up in a military family, too, so I knew what to expect. It didn't save me. But when I got out and I started working with Congress, I discovered something, that it's this systemic divisiveness that's in our community, our veteran community. This started with Congress. It started by saying, well, you're a post 9-11 veteran or you're a pre 9-11 veteran or you're a Gulf War veteran or you're a World War II veteran or you're a female veteran. How about we just stop with all the funky labels and I'm a veteran. That's all you need to know. Mm-hmm. You know, it, where I served is on my DD-214. That's the only well, thing that matters. To, well, you have to also consider that we have point systems when it comes to federal jobs and state jobs. Mm-hmm. And, and if you're not going to follow the, the point system, why the heck is it there? I mean, you, you know, our listeners luck. can't see – I mean, our listeners can't see this, but every show I sit back in my garage – and I have a, a good two, three packs of cigarettes, and I sit in a rocking chair, and I smoke most of the show. Because if I didn't, <laughs> for the love of God, I'd lose my mind. Because some of these topics we talk about boil my blood at the cellular level. Yeah. You know. <laughs> Welcome to my house. <laughs> Sorry. Now, now, hold on, hold on, because guys, listen. Listen, this is going right into our topic. And, and so let let just hold off one second. 
because Vanessa and, and, and do not, and I mean, do not Lauren, do not hang up. Okay. Because this okay. show, just so that, you know, it isn't like we bring on a guest and they're done. For example, the national commander is still on. Okay. He might have some comments or thoughts or things. I just sent him a text to ask him uh, if he had any comments. Cause I'm sure he does, especially once we get into this next topic. But before we get into the topic, just hold one second because I want to have Vanessa has one more guest who wants to talk about something very important. And again, they are doing such an amazing job in continuing to communicate an issue that again, by divisiveness, which is going to go directly back into our topic again, has caused many people to give up. So that's all I'm going to say, Vanessa, go ahead. Um, why don't you introduce our next guest? Let's bring him on because I'm sure he's got some thoughts and opinions about the, the divided states of America. And once we're done opening up the floor to give to, to have him talk about what he's doing, then we'll go right into our conversation because it's 8 o'clock. We've got 58 minutes, so we're good. Okay, Perry. So um, our, our next guest is... In fact, my husband, Jesse Jillian, he is um, he's a son of an Ambet, a son of Ambet, post 23 here in Indiana. And uh, he and our daughter have started doing the 22 a day challenge to uh, bring awareness to veteran suicide. Um, so I um, want to go ahead and, and bring him on. Jesse, are you there? Yes, I am. Awesome. Thank you, brother. Hey, Barry. What? How you doing, man? Long time no see. That's it, right? <laughs> yep. He's been multitasking all evening, so um, I'm not sure where you he's know, at. The funny at this thing point. is, the funny thing is, is when I met Jesse down at the national convention, I met him long before me and you linked up, Vanessa, for the first time. Right. And I had no idea if he was your husband. So me and Jesse are just having conversations. Not knowing at all how we know each other. <laughs> uh, awesome That's how it always works, right? Oh, it's it was, all it one was, big it family. It is, and and I I have never okay I have been to family reunions that didn't feel as much as family as national convention did. And to all my family that are listening, I apologize. I still love you, but I'm just saying. <laughs> They're our family, too, now. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> okay, so, so Jesse, you want to tell us a little bit about the 22-a-day uh, challenge and how you got involved? Well, I got involved in the 22 uh, push-up-a-day challenge through our son's national commander. Um, he was having groups of people doing them throughout national convention. So I joined in with them, and I decided, why why just leave it at national? I'm going to bring it home with me. And I brought it home, and I started having our daughter, Megan, join us. And she's done it for a while, and then I got other juniors involved at our post. It's all just to bring awareness to other situations with the veterans, the stress, um, Anything that can cause them to want it to do bodily harm to themselves. Uh, uh, people keep an eye on them. So it's, uh, kind of, it's, it's one, it's bringing awareness to 
the the crisis of the the suicide of 22 a day, but it's also advocating that we need to do more and advocating maybe a buddy check system, you know, call and check on your buddy if you haven't heard heard from him in a while, that kind of thing? Yes, it's kind of like with me and you. You have Mm -hmm. a lot of stuff that happened to you in the military, which still bothers you. And there's times when you're down and out and you need someone there for you. And just just the ear to listen to what, what you need, if nothing else. It, right. could, it could be as simple as, yes, we're here for you. If you need, need someone to talk to, here we are. That's one reason why we have, when we do the postings on Facebook and Twitter and all this, that we have the, the crisis line, the help line on there, the hill line. That way, there is ways for our veterans to get the people to hear them. That way they, they aren't out there trying to handle it on their own. And usually when someone's trying to handle something on their own, they usually go the wrong way. It just gets overwhelming and too much, right? Right. Okay. Perry, Alex, you got any questions? No, I just know that after we see him in about a year, his shoulders are going to be twice the size from all the push-ups he's done. And uh, I'm hoping that by that time, those that have committed to do the 22 push-ups, one of the conversations which we've actually had on the show is about the fact that it's actually more than 22, simply because certain states have not accurately reported all the suicides because of the insurance reasons, because they obviously if someone well, kills themselves, then their insurance policy. And Alex, I'll let you go in on that because you have more info on that than me. Well, it's it's not just the insurance policy period. I mean, one of the things is is a lot of these states don't report them as suicide. One to protect the family. I mean, you come from ooh, what is that? Ooh, someone breaking into a car. Some. No, someone's <laughs> car. Go ahead. Okay. Um. But I mean, you have some people, some veterans who live in small counties where everybody knows each other, and you want to kind of keep it, you know, under the table, so they'll they'll put it as you know an accidental death or, you know, because I'm, I'm gonna be completely honest with you, speaking as a veteran who was in a combat arms MOS, and even I, I'm assuming, you know, Vanessa, you weren't in a combat arms MOS. I mean, you could probably attest to this. How how many of us are going to negligently discharge to? Or, or, you know what no. I mean? Have an accidental gun death in that manner. You know what I mean? Right, um, right. But well, a lot of them, you, Alex. They, there's they, no way. They, they, they keep it under the rug as these accidental deaths and stuff like that or accidental causes because, one, they want to preserve their insurance policy for their family, and they also want to preserve some of the dignity for this veteran. Um, and, and that's another place where divisiveness comes in. I mean, first of all, the 22 push-up a day, I mean, I, I love what it stands behind, and this is a little bit of a humorous joke, but, I mean, I, I find it humorous that people are causing, you know, pain to themselves to stop others from causing pain to themselves. It, it, the irony the irony is awesome, but, you know, I love what if you're I doing with it, Jesse. Alex, I, oh, yes, go ahead. Um, there's actually, and, and this is where I'm just going to keep throwing these. I have a, a Trivial Pursuit Brain. I have, like, all these bizarre <laughs> facts in there that are absolutely useless for anything else. 
My um, uncle tells me my mind is filled with useless information that I splurge out in random moments. I I have Kelly Bundy brain. I have like all these facts in there that just and randomly things fall out. I don't know why. Um, we why does she got to go down we down doing... the whole Kelly Bundy area now? That's just not even <laughs> no. right. She was America's <laughs> sweetheart, okay? I know. Um, I'm not, but that's okay. Um, <laughs> There are, there are VA, there are, I'm not kidding, there are people at Vaco that have my picture on the wall and throw darts at it. And I'm sure take it to the range. Um, I'm not kidding. The, what I found out when we were doing an audit on, uh, we were actually auditing the OIG report. And one of my team members, this is going back a couple of years ago, we discovered, I had to go back five years in uh, just every OIG report. And this is one of my team members who doesn't like to talk to people. So she's great at doing this stuff. And I said, I want you to go through and there's, I want you to find a couple of different things. First off, I want you to find every OIG report in five years that they found wrongdoing, that they actually found like criminal or, or even just malfeasance. Find, find I mean, all of them. And the other thing I wanted her to find was where they had, because the OIG doesn't just do investigations, they do audits and things like that. I said, I want you to go through and find the numbers for the suicide reports because they get those reports and that's who's actually pushing the number of suicides. That's who's actually doing the reporting is the VA. That's where we all get this 22. What we discovered was that the VA is pushing this number and then lowered that number to 20 after Shinseki made that thing. We're going to, we're going to end homeless, we're almost veterans. We're going to end veteran suicide, all these things. Um, I mean, look how that worked out for him. Yeah. I'm still waiting. Um, (laughs) The VA has 157 medical facilities around the nation and they all have to, they're supposed to all report to VACO any veteran death and the manner of death. Now, we all know, and I come from a family of veterans going back to the revolution, I can tell you when a veteran dies, the medical examiner knows about it pretty darn quick. So they also will report it to the VA. And we found out that only 22 states, or excuse me, 21 states were reporting to the VA. Not all 50 plus four territories, 21 states. So if we were reporting 22 a day from 21 states, the, the extrapolated math is like third grade level. What we're looking at is a much higher number if we actually got all the real numbers from across the nation from all the VAs, and that doesn't include, as Alex And Puerto Rico. Out, Guam. Well, that's what I mean. And the territories. We have America Samoa and the Virgin Islands and Puerto Rico and those places. But then we also have the ones, as Alex pointed out, that are um, alternative manner of death are listed <laughs> for whatever reason. And most of them are for privacy and dignity. Um, so let's, if we talk about the real number, you know, I tell people, it's not 22. It's we have a hashtag, not one more. It's not 22. I don't. I really not use that 22 kill. I will not use it. I, we have not one more. 
because I've I've literally spent days and days on overnight all three days. My record is four, staying on the phone with a veteran to keep them from killing themselves. And it, this it was just not one more. We cannot let one more do it. And we if it's everything we humanly can do, whether it's don't turn your phone on, do not disturb at night, because somebody out there may call you. That's, it's absolutely, like, it, it makes my hair stand on end to know that sometime in this hour that we've been on the phone, a veteran killed himself. That makes me sick. And what, what's sad is, you know, I'm not ashamed to say it. I've been there. I've, I've been on that edge. You know, I, I know you've, you've spoken with me, Vanessa, and I, I mean, if you want to talk about it, you can as well. But I mean, I've, I've right. been on that edge. I mean. Well, I think Jesse, as, as my, my husband kind of put that into perspective, part of the reason, uh, and I asked him before the show um, if the issues that I deal with, if that's part of the reason why he does the challenge. And um, he was quiet for a moment, and his response was, that's, he does it for a lot of reasons. I said, yeah, but one of those reasons is, yeah. And You never you know, know who's going to be done. Mm-hmm. And, and that's the thing is you never know who's going through it. You never know who will be the next one. And, I mean, you know, for all of those people that were at National Convention, you know, and that is the one thing about – veterans and I think a lot of people going through depression and suicidality as we put on that face we and that I think is more exhausting than anything is trying to make yourself appear to be okay I think that's one of the most exhausting things Vanessa you've talked to me almost every day for two weeks do you think I would be one of those people it's possible I was I was (laughs) I was I was still on active duty, but I'd just come out of combat, and I, I didn't sit at a desk. I was a convoy driver, and I did a lot of crazy stuff over there. And I come home, and I immediately had to go to a new command, and within a few short weeks, I was sitting on my bed one night with a 357 in my mouth. Mm. And the VA helped me get there. They had me taking 14 different drugs a day to help me sleep, to help me stay awake, to help me not be anxious, to help me, oh, dear Lord. To be more perky. Yeah, not, you, know, you have anti-anxiety. Like, here's my that. thing. <laughs> you, have, you, you have vets out there. I'm not even kidding. Like, this is sad because I was one of those vets at one point. I was on both anti-anxiety medication and uppers, like yeah. medication yeah. to make me happier. And then medication to make me less anxious. So you're raising my blood pressure with one and trying to lower it with another. Yep. yep. You, you've got medication. The <laughs> you've got people out there who are vets that are taking medications to help them stay awake during the day, but help them fall asleep at night. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, the VA handing out drugs that are black box labeled for do not under any circumstances, give this drug to someone who is suffering from depression because it will, not it may, it will cause suicidal ideation. Oh, and so then they, then they give it straight VA, to that person. 
Seroquel, that that magic sleep oh. medicine. That is mm-hmm. one of the biggest ones that they hand out for sleep. You know, because we all spent, you know, uh, 13 months of sleeping two to three hours a night because I was on missions every day. And I, I, I had no believe. other time. I, I firmly believe. And this is, and I'm, I'm going to say right now there's a disclaimer Amvets Radio is not endorsed by the product I'm about to mention, but uh, I, I officially nope. believe that, you know, the global war on terror has been sponsored by Ripic. Because I tell you, <laughs> you know, there, there's not a veteran that has served in the global war on terror that has not gone a, a, a night without sleep, not caused by Ripit at one point. I mean, Ripit is everywhere. Oh, you you could trip over the cans. <laughs> fully supported by it. Oh, let's see. You just drove for 14 hours straight while being shot at and things blowing up. Oh, get back, gas up, and you're leaving again in an hour. Sure. Oh, Let here's a rip it. Here's a rip it. And it's, and it's, I, and it's not even a full size. It's the tiniest bottle. It's the tiniest you can fill, available, you fill too. back with it. <laughs> when, you're, when, you're in a, when you're a convoy and you're getting shot, you can't get out of the truck, so you just fill your camel back with rip it. <laughs> it's awesome. I, I used to joke to my buddy is that when Oprah went overseas, she didn't drop off cars. She dropped off cases of Rip It. Yeah. Well, and then you come home and you tell them, I can't sleep. And they say, okay, (laughs) here, here's a drug. Here's a drug. Here's another drug. Oh, and yeah, your hands are shaking because you're trying to, so here's another drug. And the next thing you know, we have people that are zombies and they're, they're thinking things that they would have never thought in a million years you know, a year earlier. And in the meantime, they're going to call their friends. And, and I've seen it a hundred times. They will call. They'll reach out. They'll text that one buddy that they always can call in the middle of the night. And to this day, I'm not on all that medication anymore. Thank God. Um, I, I, I have medications for my lungs and that's it. And I can, if my phone goes off in the middle of the night, I'm instantaneously awake. Instantly. It, it, you just have to be this way because we can't let one slip through the cracks because we didn't answer the phone. And if you don't now, this, somebody in a this week. Is, if I don't start this conversation now, we're never going to get into it. So let's officially <laughs> go Sorry, into the theme the of tonight's show. No, no, no. Again, this what what makes Ambets Radio Ambets Radio is Ambets Radio <laughs> in itself. It's I a mean, rabbit hole. There is no specific format. <laughs> it, there isn't. It's because a again, as, <laughs> as veterans, as veterans, you are our guests. Okay. The whole purpose and the whole reason why we have this show is so that you guys can talk about these issues. I mean, now. The challenge is, and the whole reason why this show and the idea of this show has kept me up, and I mean, listen, I have a hard time sleeping, and I'm not even a vet, okay? <laughs> but, but the reason why that is is because of all the PTSD I've experienced from the multiple marriages I've been to. Now, I bring that oh, up <laughs> not because I'm bragging, but because of the fact that, again, we live in a country, and if any of you – happened to see the graphic that, that, that I posted on this topic. It was the United States cut in half, and each one, each half represents a face. And in the middle of those two faces is Ambet's radio. And for 75 shows now, I have sit back and I have listened, and the one message that I've gotten out of this show 
is the fact that there are more divisions than we even talk about. I'm not talking about just division in race or religion or politics. Those are the three big ones. And two of the rules when I started this show, they said you can't talk about religion and you can't talk about politics. Now, what's funny is that I'm not an AMVAT, so I'm not under those rules. But you guys, (laughs) as representing (laughs) AMVATs, you guys have certain – so there's a division right there. And so I knew, and I really wanted our 50th show to be this, but it ended up being we had a NASCAR driver on, and that was cool. But – I want to now bring up this topic, and, 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 and I want to start with a specific type of division because this has been the number one thing mentioned on AMVETS radio, and it is the divide between the VA and our vets. Oh. Couldn't choose that when uh... – Secretary Wilkie was at the convention. You couldn't, couldn't, couldn't bring that up, you know, like, hey. Right? <laughs> so, can I go first? Uh-huh. Me, 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 pick me, pick me. <laughs> I I got to tell you, I, I literally deal with these people every day, and I don't mean the doctors or a reading examiner. What do you mean by these people? The VA. <laughs> oh, no, mean? I'm just. <laughs> yeah, the, but I don't even just deal with, like, the lower echelon. I'm dealing with the people that are making decisions and making policies and doing things and putting things in place that are causing these divisions that are causing huge risks and not just our veteran community, but it's starting to sweep out into the civilian community because as we all know, the VA can't carry its own load. So, the civilian community out there is picking up a lot of it. What the backlash we're starting to see is that we, we, there's one investigation we've been doing for two years on the caregiver program. And that, that in itself is a division thing. It's that Congress set it up to be post nine 11 only, and there's money involved and, you know, everybody pre nine 11 is pissed off about it. And all we tell them was, trust me, yell at your Congressman because they're the one that did this. Um, it's their fault. We're trying to fix it. And now, because the people that are running that program aren't getting their, weren't getting their bonuses every year because a, a VA department has to come in under budget for them to get their bonuses under the union contract. So they weren't, social work wasn't getting their bonuses. And this is across the country. So they started calling the herd. They started kicking people out of the program. And there was a big ONG investigation that was precipitated by our investigation and the results given to Congress. Well, what everybody's found out is it is a giant goat rope. And it's now I've got civilian organizations today. I heard from, she's an attorney. She used to work in Congress and She's now consulting to Medicare on how they're going to pick up the slack from what's coming out of the caregiver program, what's getting kicked out of there, because these are veterans that are permanently disabled and need full-time, at least half-time care. And it's starting to get out there, and 
all the organizations that take Medicare, that take care of these veterans, are getting pissed because they're like, the VA has the money. They're not taking care of their people. So now they want us to do it. And if we do it, we can't take care of the civilians. And then the civilians find out that because their, their caseworkers say that to them. Well, you know, uh, the VA, you know, because they're another federal agency, we got to take care of them. And, oh, boy, the fun has begun. These are the national leaders of these programs, and it's not just this one, but they get to make internal decisions. And I have to congratulate Secretary Wilkie because his, one of his very first tasks in his job, his seat wasn't even warm yet. He signed away, taking away all of those people's rights to make those policy changes in his name. So all of these people that are out there doing behind-the-scenes things that are going to make things worse and more division and saying, well, you get to have this service, but you don't. And that's, a, of that's, that's a specific, and, that, and that's, that goes back to another type of division where you have to consider where there are vets out there not just vets, but, you know, the VA itself that is saying, like, well, you're not disabled enough. Like, he's right. more dis- – yeah, his disability is more, you know, disabling than yours. I mean, if I'm disabled, right. don't I have a disability, to, you know? Is there, isn't there not an ability that I am lacking that is crucial? You know? And well, that is another division that's within it. about their rating disability, their rating well, what's your rating? Mm-hmm. You know, well, what's yours? And they, oh, I, and, that, and that's I the thing. You have I'm veterans 100. with very similar issues. Like I had, I had a veteran who was almost identical to, to my injuries and my, my disabilities. And, you know, I'm at one percentage and then he's at another percentage. And you're like, how, how the hell does that happen? Well, and that's, it's called that's corruption. Yeah, well, it's, it's called it's, greed. It's a broken system. It really is a broken system. Now, hold on. on. I I have to go down this road today. Okay. Who was surprised? Who was surprised that Manafort was found guilty? Well, duh. That was his job. (laughs) He was paid to do that. Let's see. We're going to create a cleanup guy who's going to get our our, – he's paid to be a cleanup guy. He's found guilty. Well, duh, he did his job, and we're surprised. Well, wait, is is yeah. our current president the only president that's had – wait, I can think of a president who had sex with Marilyn Monroe. Uh, I can think of many worse, yet they act like, oh, oh my goodness, <gasps> right? Now, I'm not trying to be specific and political at the same time, but it goes back to – why are we surprised? Why are we surprised when this stuff comes out, we act like we're all, oh, how could he do that? Well, when you live in a world that's motivated by money and greed, what do you expect? Well, that's, it has been our contention all along that if you look at any sector of the VA, anyone, contracting, the VBA, VHA, if you look at... Look at prosthetics even, too. All of them, everything. You look at every single sector, 
And I can show you hard numbers and proof that resources are cut, services are cut back on. The entire waitlist scandal, that existed solely because the department heads at the facilities around the country, if they go over budget, they don't get a bonus. So if an x-ray costs $1,000 and they schedule 50 x-rays a month, guess what? And their budget's only 10 grand. Four of them are not going to get, or 49 of them are not going to get done. That's the way it was working. And then we, we proved it. We showed it to Congress. And that is what got the waitlist scandal investigated. It wasn't just that they found one whistleblower. We had the whistleblower come forward with the PowerPoint training on how to manipulate the waitlist. But it all came down to we have to make sure our budget numbers come in under budget. It wasn't about we don't have enough staff. It wasn't about everybody's overworked and underpaid. It's about money, exactly as he said. It's all about the money. Now, Perry talked about race. I'm going to bring something else that's kind of a division. Species. Now... Would you would you say that a veteran is a veteran? And you know, a hundred percent. Yeah. Well, then why are you know are the 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 military working dogs, the the caisson horses, the caisson units? Why are they not getting the same treatment as our veterans? Why is their because care getting overlooked? An well, <laughs> as they well, I mean, I can I can name countless peoples. Countless people whose lives have been saved by military working dogs who have found IEDs that combat engineers and, you know, bomb disposal units haven't found. Heck, bomb disposal units employ military working dogs. Ask Congressman Brian Mast. He knows all about them. Well, speaking of Congressman Brian Mast, speaking of Congressman Brian Mast, um, Perry, if I may, uh, Congressman Brian Mast (laughs) will be on our September 4th show, (laughs) our Tuesday (laughs) Uh, yes, Representative Mast will be on our September 4th show. He will come on to discuss his military career and some of the great things that he is doing within the veteran community. So if you are yes. listening now, that is well, definitely a show you're going to want to tune in on. I'm going to want to be back on that show with Brian. Well, you're a correspondent. Why wouldn't you be? On, we're working on he, – he and Representative um, Davard and uh, Representative Castro um, are working on – some companion legislation to our burn pit legislation. Ours is looking for presumptive and theirs is looking at some other issues surrounding the burn pit exposures. Um, And I actually, the best thing I've ever seen, I've been on a couple of other radio shows with Brian. Um, The best thing I've ever seen him do though was the burn pit hearing where he got to address the VA representatives. Mm-hmm. He ate that man alive. It was beautiful to watch. <laughs> I you know. sat in the room and I almost cla- I almost gave the guy standing ovation. Because oh, I, I, I hate to do this because we're going to have him on the show. So, I, I, I mean, oh. oh, it reminded me of something. Like, And I expect, like, he, he's a congressman, so I never expected it to go that far. I, I have a friend who's a, a double amputee veteran as well. And this goes back to division, actually. So, 
me and him go to Walmart one day. He's in, he's in the passenger seat. You know, I have handicap plates on my car. So we park in a handicapped spot at Walmart. I get out of the vehicle, and there was a lady. All the other handicapped spots were full after I took this one. A lady came over to me and was like, I was going to park there. I'm more disabled than you. You don't even look disabled. And he hadn't gotten out of the car yet. He gets out of the car and said, lady, if you gets out of the car, walks up and said, lady, if you don't leave us alone, I'm going to take my leg off and beat you with it. It was the most <laughs> glorious thing I've ever seen. And I watched that hearing and I was like, oh, my God, is that is that going to come out of his mouth today? Because that would be epic. <laughs> you saw the hearing? That was great. Oh, was I great. did. It was great. That hearing was amazing because it, he reminded yeah. me a lot of Trey Gowdy at that hearing. You know, these are. He did. And I think I think that's what it comes down to, is not being afraid, and that I think will cause a lot of the division to go away because not a lot of us have the the fortitude to have a conversation with somebody, and to stand up to that, you know, and stand up for what our moral beliefs are. And when somebody is feeding you a line of crock, you know. To, to call them on it, say no, that's not yeah. that's not the case. Be honest with me. We You're just, just saying that because you don't want to go to jail. Flag. Yeah, <laughs> just throw the flag down and say there it is. It's a pile uh-huh. of manure, and you you should have seen the round table because it was even better. But it was because oh. that's the thing is dealing with the VA, especially at the higher levels where we're trying to get some policy changes made. Because the VA won't make policy changes unless they are embarrassed to do so. And I, I do mean, or threatened by Congress. That's the only way they'll do it. So when we deal with these people, they're terrified that we're going to expose something about them and make such a big scandal that they'll be forced to do what we want. And mm-hmm. the best leverage we ever have is, and I don't care who knows, everybody in the world knows, just Google my name. I'm dying. I contracted something nasty over in Iraq. And, you know, in addition to partial amputations on both hands, I can't breathe. And it's it's progressing and it's getting ugly. And I, I absolutely tell everybody, I have nothing to lose. The VA can't take anything away from me. I own my land free and clear. They can bite me. I'm going to say the truth. Harry Truman said it best. I don't give anyone hell. I just tell them the truth, and they think it's hell. (laughs) And when we use that and have that power, they will back down. They will back down from us. And I think that comes down. Oh, go ahead. I was going to ask Lauren, before we get to the end of the show, just so our listeners know, if she would – provide the information so people can get in touch with her through veterans, warriors, etc. Oh, yes. Yeah. I'll, well, I'll send you guys a link so you can put it up if you want. Um, but we're on Facebook. If we want, of course we want to. Absolutely. We're on, it's veteran warriors. We have a public Facebook page and a private Facebook group. We actually screen every person that comes in there. We're over 2,000 people in that group right now. Um, we do not allow VA employees in there because people need to be able to come in and share their horror stories and know that they're coming there for information and education and guidance on where to go to deal with those. So either one, and we have a website, veteranwarriorsadvocacy.com. 
Um, and all of those, we have people that are trained to do specific things, uh, but we don't have a central location. My staff are literally all around the world. Um, and we have clinical researchers. We have, we're hooked up now with Hunter 7 doing major research on contaminants from the Middle East. We're doing some really, really amazing things. And if someone needs some guidance or help or just needs a referral to somebody that really does know what they're doing, please feel free to reach out to us. Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. Now, I have a little fun thing for us to do. Let's go around to all our guests and see what is the most divisive encounter they've had this year. And not not just like what they've seen that was most divisive, like where have you felt the most divided with your fellow human or fellow man, whether they were VA, whether they were civilian, whatever, regardless of the topic, what was the most divisive thing you encountered this year? Ooh, 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 I got Pick one. Perry. Pick Perry. <laughs> Are you ready? Red Rover, Red if Rover, come on over. If you're looking for judgment... If you're looking for judgment and condemnation, just go to church. There's a good start. I mean, I can tell you firsthand, I was saved when I was 31 years old. I'm 47. And when I moved to Tennessee, it was the Bible Belt. I thought, all right, I'm going to a place where everybody's going to know the Bible, and we're going to live kumbaya. Uh, no. Matter of fact, not only was it opposite – but it was nothing but religious people who were following religion, not relationship. Now, so the biggest divide I have seen is between leadership and the congregation. And so not that I'm going to do a self-plug, but I think I'm going to because now that I brought it up, I think it's a perfect time. But tomorrow night, if you go to my Facebook page, I'm going to be running live from a place called The Computer Doctor. And, and I, I've been teaching the Bible for years. And this is a place where people who don't go to church because they're fed up and tired of it, they just watch it online in the comforts of their home. And one of the things that, that, that as a visual that I used was, you know, you know back in ancient times when the kings would come through and they'd be on those platforms and you'd have the four muscular guys underneath carrying them, right? I don't know what they call that platform, but anybody, but you know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, so anyway, what it says on there, it says, it says and, and, and of course, the, the, the king or the boss who's being carried by these four guys, he says, just remember, guys, you're doing this for God, not for me. And my caption on top says, I don't think this is what God had in mind when it came to justification. <laughs> because we live in a world where we all want to self-justify our actions. I mention that because, again, the biggest division that I've seen has been within the body of Christ. And that's the sad part. And I think that's the reason why if our enemy can attack the family, he can take the nation. He did it with Rome. He's done it in the past. And so that's, in my opinion, the biggest divide I think I've ever seen outside of the division between what you guys uh, have talked about tonight. That's it for me. You know, I got to watch firsthand down in Tampa uh, this 
and I'm not a kid. I'm 53. I've watched and I've traveled all over the world. Um, this insanity that the DNC was holding a rally there. And for those who don't know, that's Democratic National Party. Um, they were holding their a big rally there. And I'm sorry, the RNC was holding their rally there, the Republican National Party. They were holding a rally there. And the DNC people came out. And I have a friend that's a photojournalist. And she was actually embedded in the middle of this. And it was just like raw violence. And I haven't seen that since I was in junior high and we saw race riots. And I I could not believe that. And it was started by the, the Democratic people that were there to protest the Republican convention. And I, I could not believe the level of hatred and, and completely illogical commentary that was going on. And, and I'm very fact-based, so I, that, I struggled with that a lot. And it wasn't even about color. And it was people, you know, oh, well, you must be rich if you have this. Um, no, that doesn't equate. But <laughs> they were violent about it. And I, I still to this day can't get my brain around that level. And it's not about the politics. It's about the how did that happen? How did we become so hateful to each other, you know, I'm not even talking about social media, but I'm talking even in person, that someone would be so hateful to crack you in the head with a bottle because you're a Republican or a conservative or white or whatever. We're, we're there now, and we haven't been there for 60 years. So well, that was terrifying. Vanessa, what do you got this this past year that's been the most divisive encounter you've? Judgmental attitude in general. Mm. I mean, we're all human. Come on, where's the compassion? Um, I have struggles. Like the my neighbor has struggles. I do my best not to judge other people. You know by what I know, don't know, see, and don't see about them and what's going on in their lives. We don't know what goes on, you know, like we talked about um, earlier with the 22-a-day uh, challenge. We don't know what's going on in someone's head or the struggles and the, the, the challenges that they have in their life. Um, so, you know, in the process of me attempting to assist and advocate for, for veterans and uh, to do what I need to do for myself and my family, you know, and advocate for for myself, judgmental attitudes, you know, well, why do you need that? Or, well, you, you know, you've, you've got a husband, your husband can take care of that. Well, you really don't know what struggles, you know, someone else doesn't really know unless they know you on a personal intimate basis. And um, it's just across the board, which breaks my heart as, as far as, you know, you guys, you guys know me on a, on a personal level, because um, I'll stand up and and fight the good fight. But huh? 
Oh, yeah. Um, Jesse, um, he's here sitting beside me now. Uh, he said I could go ahead and talk about his injury. He injured his back. Um, he's not able to do the physical things that he used to be able to do. So that's put us in a, you know, in a bind. I'm, I'm permanently disabled. I uh, haven't successfully gone through the, the system with the, the CMP exam to, to get even service connected. So I'm judged for that. I'm a disabled veteran. I have injuries that I sustained during my um, time active duty, still, still fighting the good fight. And when I stand up, you know, now I'm, I'm getting a voice back. For a long time, I didn't have a voice. But as I stand up and gain that voice back to advocate, not just for myself, but for others, being judged for that even, it's like, what gives? Yes. I thought you were actually, I, mean, I thought you were actually referring to actually lost your voice. And I thought maybe that's the most peace Jesse's gotten. Wow. <laughs> I'm sorry. Tell Jesse what I just said. I couldn't resist. I'm sorry. He heard you, Perry. He heard you. I don't know if I lost my voice, if that would stop the night terrors and everything that goes on with the, the PTSD, but, um, you know, who, who knows? <laughs> and, and, no. and please, I, I, was, I, I was not making fun. I was I was just trying to bring laughter to the to the situation. I was just trying to bring some Oh, we know you're not making fun, Harry. Correct. Good. I, I mean, I would well, hope that we all know that, and that, that's a, that, that, that comes down to another division, if I may, because that kind of ties into mine this year. <laughs> is, is the division that comes from speaking your mind. And how divisive that can be. Because we're all entitled to our own opinions. Am I, am I wrong? I mean, I, if, if that's no. not what I served for, You're then, right. you know. But there, there's two events, and they're very important. And I'll, I'll say the first one, because that kind of ties into it. So this one is a non-military-related one. It was, I, I was, you know, outside of a college uh, that... I was about to try to enroll into. I eventually didn't go to that one because of this incident, but uh, there was a rally going on. And, you know, somebody was talking to me and, you know, they were trying to impart their belief about white privilege and all of that stuff and kind of attacked me out of nowhere because I wasn't even saying anything. They kind of attacked me and every other white male that was there for white privilege or any white person that was there for white privilege, unless... Now, here's the thing, and this is where the irony kicks in. The person who attacked me for my white privilege was white. <laughs> and that's where it kind of got me, because, you know, they, they had their belief. Were they from the or something? Uh, no, this was, from ten- this, was a, this was this was a, a Tennessee person in Tennessee, in Nashville, and, and they were, they they were yelling at me about... And all that? Yeah, oh yeah, trust me, wait. It gets, okay. it, it gets yeah. incredible. Uh, they attack me for my white privilege, and then when I come back to them and say, you know, what will lead you to believe that? And then because my opinion didn't matter, they said, well, your opinion doesn't matter because you're white and you have white privilege. And I was like, pretty much I was wrong, wrong, because they didn't like what I had to say, but they used the white privilege card as an excuse. 
And then I said to them, well, if I'm wrong because I'm white and I have privilege, where do you get the privilege to tell me I'm wrong? Doesn't that mean that you're wrong too? Because you're white and you have privilege. Well, well, I, I you know, I have this in my <laughs> generational background. And I was like, but you're white and you have privilege. Well, why are you judging me based off of the color of my skin? And I'm like, exactly. They're like, well, you look at me and I may appear white, but you don't know what I have in me. I was like, then why doesn't that apply to me? Well, why doesn't that apply to me? If if I'm not allowed to judge you because you appear to be white, why are you allowed to judge me because I appear to be white? You don't know what I have in my heritage, you know, my, my genealogical background, nor do I know what you have in yours. So why care to make that and that judgment <laughs> upon me? That's and it, it was... It, <laughs> yes. And, and then the second yeah, one, you know, when it comes to judgment... Oh. And then the second one, which was like a top one this year, they are tied actually was a judgment passed on to me by a V a, a, a fellow veteran at the VA. So we're, we're waiting to see a doctor for, for traumatic brain injury and nervous system damage. Well, they are not as far along in their recovery as I am. I don't appear like, and this was, this kind of ties in. So when I met, uh, Mr. Kevin Stone down at National Convention, we have pretty much very similar backgrounds, very similar injuries, very similar histories in military career and personal life, just generations apart. Well, Kevin is in a wheelchair. He can, he can still ambulate, but for very short periods of time, but he's in a wheelchair and I'm not. And Kevin embraced that. He didn't see me as somebody, you know, he didn't judge me like, well, you, your injuries must not have been that bad because I can't see them. He knew very well that he, you know, that some people recover better than others. And this person couldn't see that. And so they judged me based off of my appearance that I was, you know, I really wasn't injured or damaged. Based off of my appearance and my ability to articulate or ambulate. And, and that's kind of something I see a lot in the veteran community is where other veterans judge each other based off of just what they can see. You oh, know? that's the pet peeve it, of my existence. Right? It's, yeah. And that was like, I, I'm like, you're a fellow vet. Like, we should be supporting each other. Because Lord knows, I wouldn't come at you and say, well, I know this guy who's in a wheelchair that can't go to the bathroom. You know? Like, well, who, <laughs> you know? It, you, it, should, you know, you, you're, you're not you know, really disabled because you can still do this. You know what I mean? Right. There before the grace of God go I. And it's, <laughs> I, there's this, there used to be this website called, but you don't look sick. And but you don't look sick. Exactly. You, but you don't look sick. Cause that's what people say to you if they can't see what's wrong with you. And I, I have disabled place, pulled up to places and had people make really crappy remarks to me. And one time in particular, my husband was with me. And he looked at it, and it happened to be at a car dealer where we were buying a very expensive vehicle. And he looked at the guy, and he's like, why don't you tell him why you have those really cool plates? <laughs> so I walked up to him, and I just I told him, well, here's a list of all the things that are wrong with me because I served 13 months in Iraq. And I said, I'll tell you what. I said, I will happily, right this minute, give you the place off my car. If you can fix it so I can go back and pay the taxes and go to work and all that stuff. Exactly. I, and that I, was kind I, of 
that was kind of the same exact scenario where my friend was like, if you don't stop harassing us, I'll beat you to death with the leg that I just took off myself. <laughs> right. It's, yeah. and, and we shouldn't, within our own community, we should not have to justify our existence. Yeah, exactly. exactly. And that's what he tried and, telling that lady is like, listen, the lady assumed that it was his plates because he had his legs missing, where in reality it was mine because of my autoimmune disease, right. because of, you know, my nerve damage, because of my traumatic brain injury. I have those handicapped plates, but she automatically assumed because she could see his injuries. Right. But it's the, like, like Vanessa was saying, it's this judgmental thing. And, you know, it's hard enough that we as veterans, it's bad enough that we would do it to ourselves, to each other. Uh, we mm-hmm. judge ourselves. We are our own worst enemies. And then to have our fellow veterans judge us, uh, you know, on either our injuries or lack thereof or what we've been able to accomplish or not. And then we go fight the VA who they judge us literally every step of the way. From the minute you check in for a medical appointment or you file your claim, the judging begins. And mm-hmm. if we if we could just all get our heads around, you know, <laughs> I'm going to keep throwing these out because Perry knows them all. You know, those in glass <laughs> houses, <laughs> you know, there before the grace of God go I, because at any given time you could slip and fall and you be in a wheelchair too. So don't complain. <laughs> don't well, not just that. Anybody. I mean, Christ himself said, what you do unto the least of, my, of your fellow man you have done unto I. Yeah. And I feel like, as though that judgment comes into the same fact. People think of that as a, the good deeds that you do into the least of the fellow man. It also applies no. to the bad deeds. Exactly. If you, it, it applies but, to that, ba- that bad now, deed. Like when you look at that. <laughs> Go ahead, Perry. But now hold on, though. I, since, since you brought this up, I'm about to really <laughs> throw an interesting piece in the puzzle because, and again, you know, I've kind of stayed away from biblical things only because I don't want to offend someone. But guess what? We've got five, four minutes left. What are you going to do at this point? So here we are. <laughs> Jesus said, I did not come to bring peace. I came to divide. Now, that throws a whole nother wrench into this conversation because not all division is bad. Some division is good. I don't know. I took a small division with- class in high school, and, and that kind of was a bad class. <laughs> No, try, no. listen, let me tell you one specific purpose where I think division is good. Bathroom doors. I think those are good. I think when I wake up in the morning and I go to the restroom, you want that door closed. You don't want that door open. You want that division. So that no matter how good of a spray you have, it's just a flower-scented smell. It's added on to it. It doesn't replace it. So some division is good. Yeah, especially like one of the bad divisions. I don't think there's enough division between urinal stalls. You know, some urinals you go to, you're holding hands with the guy that's standing next to you. You I, I don't me. want to. I mean, that's, that's the last thing I need to kill a guest on live air. <laughs> I know, right? Now, we have four minutes left. So does anybody have any con- comments about division? Because what I would like to do, I, and again, it is only going to be by God's grace that we have a show next week. That's all I can say. So with that being said, we have four minutes left. Anybody, go. Eight divided I'm by two ask is four. everybody. No, sorry, go. 
No, oh, that's go, all I had. You divided by two is four. <laughs> Good. <laughs> oh, everybody, it's just the next time you start to think, and this isn't for the group of us that are talking because we've been elaborating on this for two hours, but it's, it's for those who are listening. Before you decide that someone else is and, and fill in the blank, unless you say to yourself, that person is my friend, that person is valuable, that person is important, and they don't have to be important to me. They just are important to someone, even if it's just themselves. But unless you're going to say something like that, just close your mouth and walk away because that's, that's where it starts. It's the, my opinion is more important than yours, or, you know, my stuff is more important than yours, or my place in line is more important than yours. And, and the first place it starts is by just closing your mouth and not saying that that person is something. I also, I want to oh. kind of caveat onto that. I think it starts internally, too. I think it starts internally before that. When it comes to self-deprecating thoughts and behavior, absolutely. You know, don't don't beat yourself dead because you feel like you can't accomplish something, or because you feel like you're at a lesser stature in life than your fellow man. You know, and, and that goes back Thank to my you, conversation Alex. I had with Kevin. That, that comes back to my conversation that I had with Kevin Stone. You know, he could have looked at me and held envious greed, or. And said to me, like, well, why do you deserve to walk? And I, you know, and I'm, I'm in this wheelchair. What, what, what makes you better than me? We've injured in a similar manner. Why, why you, why not me? I think it starts in that internal self-deprecation because what roots in all of these questions is it, it, it roots in ourselves. And, it, it, and it's us judging ourselves about what our fellow man has, what we don't have, what we can do, what we can't do. And that's where it all starts. Exactly. So I would like to caveat that yeah. on further. Amen. Because I got to tell you, mm. one of the the coolest, most awesome, smartest, and most compassionate people I know, men, women alike, veteran, non-veteran. And again, I, I say this, by, I have traveled around the world. Is Actually, he is. He's one of you guys, Sherman Gillum. Um, he has turned into not just a friend to me, but a mentor and someone I can rely on for true guidance that's not motivated by anything that he or his organization or anything that he wants or needs. It's truly what he thinks is his opinion would be best for me or my organization or the situation. And unfailingly, he's, no matter what I ask him about, whether it's a personal issue or a, a veterans-related issue or a VA thing or, or just a, a military question, he's always consistent. And that speaks to me about that he's, finally, he's at peace with who he is. And i got to tell you, I've met his wife, Cammie. She's an amazing woman. And if you love yourself and, and get comfortable in your own skin, however it's configured, you'll go a long way to loving everybody around you, or at least tolerating them and not wanting to smack somebody. 
Well said, Lauren. And that is the greatest way we can end AMVETS Radio Show number 75. Thank you for listening, folks. By God's grace, we will see you next week. Until next time. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChampaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VGW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.